What's good, everybody? You're listening to Our Future, Looking Beyond with Michael Zakhan, the business podcast for young people. Today's episode focuses on the future of e-commerce and delivery, an economic function that's been on fire lately as we order everything we need online in the face of a global pandemic. I'm joined today by guest host Matt Coaches, a great friend of mine and colleague at the University of Michigan Roth School of Business. Matt? Thank you for being here with me. Thanks for having me, Michael. Always a pleasure to be by your side. We are joined today by former SVP of cross-border trade at Walmart and the newly appointed current chief executive of e-commerce at Kohl's, Australia's chain of retail super centers. Thank you, Ben, for being here with us. Hey, guys. It's great to be on with you. Go Blue. So first off, Ben, we'd love to get a little bit of your background, your educational experience, and just a little bit about your career trajectory and the places you've been so far in your career. It's interesting. Like Growing up, I was I actually grew up in Europe, Belgium, Germany, and I, I spent time in Russia. I was working on my PhD in Russian history. I had a job change. Started my career in retail before I got to Ross. I was a fishmonger in New York City, um, but made my way from there to Ross. And the whole idea about going to, to business school was to get into brand management. During my first year, I, I pretty much realized actually I'm a very competitive person. Walmart came knocking. Um, they were recruiting about seven MBA interns around the, the country a year. So I had just a great run at Walmart, almost 17 years. As you said, you know, just made a job change. I'm going to be shipping off to Melbourne, Australia. They're in a really good uh, situation and have a huge opportunity in front of them. I think any retailer coming out of COVID has a big opportunity when it comes to e-commerce. Ben, you grew Walmart's presence in China. Can you put us in the moment? How did you deal with that velocity? Yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, first of all, like China is just this, it's just an amazing place. The one thing that I took away from China was like speed wins. Like you just have to have a team, an organization that moves exceptionally fast, a highly innovative, especially innovation on the business model side versus like the, the deep tech side. It was all about how can you offer speed, but as much range as possible to complete the shopping occasion. But it, speed is the number one thing you've got to have in China for sure. Can you give us a little bit of a perspective on the difference between the American and the Chinese consumer? When a Chinese customer walks through the magically open doors of a Walmart, how, do, how does that person differ from somebody in America? Number one, most of them are not driving to their store with a car. Uh, they're going to walk out. They might get on a scooter. They're going to use public transportation. So the shopping occasion when they come in is going to be a much smaller basket, we'd say, much fewer items. They're going to go to the sh do their shopping for groceries at least once a day. Whereas in the U.S., I think we're, we call a stock-up trip, where you might buy groceries for a week at a time, two weeks at a time. Very different models, too, when it comes to online uh, grocery or e-commerce. Or right now when you're ordering it for, what, three, four months in advance? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you can get it delivered to you right now, at least yeah. where I'm at. Uh, the other the other thing is once that customer's in the store, they're more inclined to use a mobile device while they're shopping. Um, you see a lot more gamification just overall in digital in China, and that's even being applied into uh, how people shop. Customers do not want to wait in line, and they, they just want to find the item quickly. And so our digital experience that we offered customers solved those things really quickly. In fact, you could pre-shop, basically have a list of say 10 items and it would optimize your navigation inside of the store. So you could take the fewest you know, footsteps needed to actually do the shop. And then when you check out, it's all contactless. Um, so basically prepay on your way out and you just show a QR code at a kiosk and that that's it. 
and the Chinese consumer is just much more digitally inclined. So in previous interviews, you touched really on this element of going local amidst all this expansion. And, and I think we've really gotten to the point that this was unprecedented expansion into this Chinese market. But what do you mean by this localization or this strategy of going local? In the U.S., you'd see a lot more consolidation of inventory, um, kind of upstream, whereas the Chinese model was more about how can you activate the inventory that's closer to the customer and deliver from that point. There's actually a lot of innovation that started now in China, and it's being deployed around the world. Social commerce is a good example. You see Facebook or Instagram now is, is starting to to do actually commerce. And I just bought something through- And TikTok, um, TikTok too. Yeah, TikTok, exactly. Your kids are probably um, all over that. Not yet, no. Uh, okay. We've got them pretty much well monitored when it comes to digital, uh. so. <laughs> but, uh, you know, social commerce was was really, it started in, in China. I think local is really important, important when you're a leader, especially if you're a general manager and you're running a business, really understanding what's unique, what's different about the market you're operating in. Um, even when I was, say, running stores in the Great Lakes, uh, based in Michigan, <clears throat> versus the western half of the U.S., one key difference was our stores in the Great Lakes were much larger, and they had much uh, less foot traffic. So that means you had a really high fixed cost base in your P&L. When I'm looking at it in Australia, I'm trying to understand really quickly what what is different? Um, what's different from the U.S. model, certainly from the China model, from the European model um, that I need to figure out pretty quickly? Walmart has always been known for being this vertically integrated behemoth, right? I mean, it's got some of the most superior logistics and fulfillment capabilities on this planet. But in the case of China, Walmart and your team, you guys worked with other partners. You mentioned JD.com. You also started a venture capital arm in China to work with startups who could help, you know, with the omni-channel approach. What does this say about the power of cooperation when a company wants to enter a new market, a totally new market? So we had great partners, again, like you said, Tencent, uh, JD, that could get us 80% of the way there, um, but they're not operating offline stores. And so we didn't, I didn't have this vast, you know, group of engineers like I did at Yihao Jin over 12 1200 engineers we had a much smaller um, technology team about 200 people uh but there was real hunger and there, i mean there was real um i'd say a pretty powerful um startup uh ecosystem that was in place largely driven by the two camps alibaba and tencent and the startups especially in the the a series round they, saw, they had an ambition to grow and value themselves outside of China. Um, so that's where we kind of came into play. We said, look, at, we'll give you an, a test environment and we'll give you a decision in 90 days. Our intent here is to lower the cost of experimentation. And we're going to do that through speed and decision making. And so we put in place about 60 initiatives that today are scaling in China. And actually some of the problems we solve now those solutions are being scaled outside of China in other markets for Walmart. It was pretty exciting. Are you speaking Mandarin this whole time? <laughs> I can speak taxi cab Mandarin. I'm like one of these guys that can learn languages quickly, but I can never master them. So uh, I'm, you know, I, I would not do business in Mandarin for sure, but I can, I can get around and, and know what people are saying. Yeah. I think that's a valuable skill to have when you're working all around the world. 
a lot of students are applying to go abroad right now. At Ross, uh, the undergrads do it in their junior year in uh, the winter semester. What about working abroad is is so special and, and, and living there and living in another culture through a business lens and a personal lens as well? Uh, it's a pretty good lifestyle, quite honestly, if you go as like an expat. I mean, I grew up as an expat kid and you have a lot of you know basic services and things provided for you. Uh, but I think you, you just learn a, a, a great deal. Like all my kids, they, they speak pretty good Mandarin right now. I think that's going to serve them well later in life. Working with different cultures, um, it's just always been something I've enjoyed. I, I was shocked how many people in leadership for large technology companies actually came from the University of Michigan. And there were all sorts of Michigan people at Tencent. Um, I, it was crazy. Um, just, you know, around the world, how many people I'm running into that came from Ross. I'm going to Australia. There's people reaching out saying, oh, I went to Ross and they're in pretty significant roles at significant companies. It's kind of, that's so cool. yeah, I think That's it's so amazing cool. to be, I think it's amazing to be part of that. I, I, I think they always say that it's the largest living alumni body in the entire world. So I think it's incredible at any level, whether it was your undergrad or graduate experience to be part of that larger community of Wolverines. And congratulations too on that new role, by the way. Uh, but I think the viewers would love to hear a little bit about that new role you have, really what Coles is. Coles has about 2,500 um, stores in Australia. I'll be the only American on the, the leadership team. They've been doing online groceries since the late 1990s, whereas Walmart was rolling this out maybe in 2013 when we were testing in markets like Phoenix and Denver, uh, which I which I had. They've been doing this a, a pretty long time. Uh, so the traditional model is I pick from store or I pick from a, a dark store. And my proposition is to get that to you as a customer next day, but I'm going to deliver in like a six hour window. So as a customer, I've got to wait around potentially for six hours to get the order. Uh, so the big question now is, you know, how can I close that window on delivery and be more specific with my delivery slots? Coles has a partnership now with Ocado and Ocado has mechanized fulfillment centers that are able to pick a grocery order, a very large order, say 50 items, and pick and pack that order in about three minutes time. So you get the speed uh, and more importantly, the cost from automation to be able to, to fill an order. That's, that's a new thing that they'll have. But the bigger proposition that it has is that an FC uh, in partnership with Ocado can carry a much wider range or have greater selection. So a store offer would have maybe 20,000 SKUs. An Ocado offer could have up to 70,000 SKUs. So if you think about the three propositions in e-commerce, pretty simple, right? It's price, it's selection, and it's service. So this definitely helps on the selection side, and it should help with the price side because the overall, overall order economics will be better. What do you see in the future of e-commerce and delivery? There's all this chatter, right, about autonomous vehicles changing the economics of delivery. We hear about drones. Like, I, I'm sure Australia, you can test those out there. How, how will the, the economies of e-commerce and delivery change? I mean, for online grocery, the biggest cost in the, the whole uh, thing is, is around the last mile. Um, so auto, autonomous vehicles, I think, is going to be in the next decade um, where everyone everyone goes, everyone puts capital into. Drones, um, for online grocery, 
I, I see that's going to be more upstream in the supply chain um, where you're moving inventory around, like, say, perishables um, that you can't sell has a short shelf life. Uh, shelf life. You're moving in that around between distribution center. Uh, that's that's the potential use case for it that I see. But last mile is definitely a place. So just thinking back to when you were a, a young man studying Russian uh, Russian literature, was it, or Russian history Russian history yeah Russian history so the young man you were then um, even even when you started your business career what are some things now with the people and the number of organizations and projects and partnerships that you've been a part of what are some takeaways and some advice uh, that you would want to tell yourself back then oh uh, that's a good one you can't win on your own um, you have to win with the team as a team you win as a team as you lose as a team uh, with your peers and even, you know, above you. Um, I would just say keep the energy that you have coming out of business school. Find ways to do it. So, yeah, I just want to thank you for being on the pod. It was it was a great conversation. Yeah, Michael, Matthew, thanks for having me. It's been a great chat and wish everybody out there, you know, best of health. Be safe and we'll get through this. Boys and girls, that was Ben Hassing, former SVP of cross-border trade at Walmart and current chief executive of e-commerce at Kohl's. Wish him the best over with the kangaroos. On Friday, I interview Craig Vachon, venture capitalist and spy thriller novelist. Make sure to follow the At Our Future podcast on Insta. Shout me out. We're having fun here. Stay safe, team.